This is Captivated Minds. I'm Stan. I'm Jake. And this is part two of our Roswell series. Yes, Roswell. So, so as we've been uh, talking about Roswell and alien movies, we have uh, a few alien movies coming up. We have uh, Alien and The Day of the Earth Stood Still on our docket. We also have been talking about aliens in our Conspiracy Corner episodes, too. So uh, listen to those. And, aliens you know, have been a thing. A big one. And... If I if I may for a minute, go for it. If my little niece Luna is listening to this, yep. Hi Luna. Hi Luna. She was listening to this with my sister. Yep. And she was upset that I wouldn't say hi to her. Hi. That I was just talking to you the entire time. So, so now, hi Luna. I hope well, you welcome enjoy. to the show and I hope you listen to Roswell. Right. <laughs> so now we're gonna dive deep into Roswell Part Two. Deeper and deeper. Oh my. So, Mac Brazel uh, went to his neighbors and two people he had trusted. Mac would even convince another rancher, Clint uh, Schutmeter, sorry for the uh, pronunciation, to drive over to Foster Ranch to see what Brazel was talking about. Foster Ranch, as we know, is the location and the ranch where the Roswell incident takes place, just so we're back on, up to speed a little bit. Clint manages to get a first-hand look at a crash site. Now, it's not stated which crash site because there were more than one, but he gets to look at one. He even takes pieces of the crash site. Clint, being the guy that he was, hid these pieces where he thought no one would look. Smart guy, huh? Oh, yeah. Military officials would collect everything. It did not matter where it was hidden. It could have been hidden, you know, somewhere where the sun don't shine, and the government would be going for it. If if you were near a crash site, yep. would you take stuff? Oh, hell yeah. I would 100%. Would you tell anyone? Not for – this is what I would do. I'd hold on to it for a long time. Wouldn't say a word. Wouldn't say a word. Wouldn't because say a word. I wouldn't want anyone nope. to take it from me. I'd probably put it in a safety deposit box. Yeah, see something like that. Not I say mean, what it was. Boom. Not say anything. Not even t- say it's I money. I would be Gollum holding that ring. My precious. My precious. My precious. No one would know. No, no one. No. Would. I don't even care if it's fifty years later. I start talking no, about it. That might be better. But I would, and I'd take a million pictures of the stuff. Clint, in a sense, becomes another key witness to seeing something and holding on to physical evidence, even if it is just temporary. Two days had passed now, and many other nearby ranchers who had heard of the crash had found their way to it. So the word had spread like wildfire among this small community. We both live in small communities, and when things happen, small communities, people tend to talk, and the curiosity hit like the plague. People needed to know what the hell happened at Foster Ranch. It's you. You can't keep anything secret no. in a small no. town. No, even can't. at a small workplace, things everything yeah. spreads I mean, like wildfire. It's a running joke, like at our place of work. You could say something at the front door, and by the time you go to the break room, everyone it's, already knows. That's right. Bud Epers and Truman Pierce would also show up at Foster Ranch after hearing Bravel's story. Glicia Sakara loaded his truck to the brim with these metal pieces that had no weight. So we were just discussing about going to a crash site. Would you load up to the brim or would you be conservative and take a couple of small pieces, hold on to it? What kind of outlook would you have on a crash site if you were in this kind of situation? I would take as much as I could. So you'd have your truck loaded 
Yep. So what I, if you'd get so also the, might be caught though. But too. this is what I do. All yeah. the small stuff is uh-huh. the stuff I would hide away. All right, makes the, sense. The bigger things, the yeah. stuff I know, I would take it because I could take it. That's right. But if they come looking for it, they're gonna probably find the bigger stuff. They'll take the bigger stuff, uh, and I've already hidden away the smaller things. That makes sense. So it's one of those like, look this way, but really, but misdirection. Really, misdirection. That sounds like the theme of these episodes. He loaded his truck up to the brim and then drove. Danny Bowles' family. So now we have a lot of different. These are all different ranchers throughout the area that are kind of getting their piece of the gold. Danny Bowles' family drove 25 miles to see what all the other ranchers were talking about nearby. These witnesses claim that what they had clearly seen was not a weather balloon. Winds started to pick up at the ranch, which caused some of these pieces without weight to flow across the large field. It would be another 72 hours before... Uh, Mac Brazel finished all the ranch chores and trekked towards the military with information about what he had just found. Before he had made this long haul, he had made sure to get as much knowledge as he could on these bits and these little pieces. He would even take bits and pieces to the bar and hand it over throughout the bar to have his local friends kind of figure out, hey, you know what this is? No, I don't know what this is. You know what this is? Hey, no, I don't know what this is. Like, basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah really, a, that's what he did. Just a bunch of drunk rednecks getting together. Y'all know what this is? <laughs> I don't know what this This looks like metal to me. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. light it on fire, see if yeah. that fire will work with metal. You think we can melt it down? Can, can we put it in our tobacco pipe and smoke it? <laughs> I wonder how it tastes like with this Bud Light now. Yeah, mm-hmm. let, let me lick it. Mm, oh, it tastes good it now. It tastes good. Mm. <laughs> Brazel goes into the general store in the next town over and brings his sample inside for further knowledge. So now he's bringing it to store to store. Hey, you know what this is? Right. <laughs> I'm going to J.C. Penny. Can I return this without See, a receipt? And, and this is and this is why I'm saying like. He just if, went around if every person, like, every person. If it was a weather balloon. If it was. Someone would say. It's a weather balloon. It's a weather balloon. hmm But no, he takes it everywhere. Everyone, I don't know. It's like, I don't it's know. It's like an adult teddy bear or an adult blanket. <laughs> yeah. Like, all I can see is what, Linus? 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 Is that Linus from the Dragging penis? it around? Yeah, yeah. If he had found something weird, he would ask anyone and everyone about it. Every single person that he had asked about the crash did not have the slightest damn clue, which makes sense. Yeah, would. Somehow parts of this object had made it clearly to the 4th of July rodeo that was located an hour south of the crash site. Everyone at the rodeo knew something from the crash site was there. The real funny thing was that the local cops didn't have a damn clue. You would think that on some level, bringing a piece of an unknown metal to a crowd was a bad idea. More witnesses and more people claim that they have seen something. People also had a tendency to talk, and getting into a large group like this could have had an entire town or small city talking about this thing from a space saucer. I, I would have I <laughs> loved it more if it was like a carnival. Yeah, like I a, mean, like really, a, it would have been the same damn thing. Like it's just a bunch of carnies hanging around, like, metal alien we got, pieces. 
We got this goddamn spaceship, guys. Mm. Come check it out. It's going to be next to the the bearded lady (laughs) and and the tall man. (laughs) Um, People would often uh, gravitate to uh, to new and weird things if there's curious nature and strike strike them just right. Mac Brazel eventually runs into a friend of his, Robert Scrogans, who was a state police officer. Brazel had an idea that because his friend is a cop, he would know something. That makes sense, right? You're going to go to a friend of yours who's a cop. Cop might have seen some things, you know, but sadly, the cop didn't have any idea what this was either. Robert Scrogans did have a didn't have a damn clue to what had crashed or what the pieces of, of metallic objects were. The police officer was on the I-don't-have-an-idea train, just like all the other locals he had visited. So at this point, no one knows what the hell this thing is. All they have is just a bunch of metal and probably other things, and yep. no one has a clue. Yep. So here's here's the other, the other flip of a coin. Mm-hmm. I would take as much as I could... But I would always have that worry in the back of my head of, am I going to contract something? Is there going to be some sort of weird disease or something I'm going to get from this? Because it's something – because everyone not knowing what it is. So before – I haven't mentioned it in the story because it's really in the news a lot. But – in the book, in the source that we use for this series, the next town over from Roswell is actually named Corona. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's I, I've been saying I haven't used it once. <laughs> it's in the book. Oh, it's I fully. For, I forgot. It's fully in the book. As the name of the town is Corona. So just just putting that out there. You think what you want. Yeah, I'm not. Man. Yeah. So. <laughs> so Corona. Robert. Scrogans, the police officer, has a couple of key questions when he's discussing these pieces uh, to uh, Brazel, Mac Brazel. Is it military? If it is, why haven't they come to get it? If it's not military, then who does it belong to? So he kind of raises some more questions. All the other locals haven't really raised any questions, but the police officer, being kind of a detective or deductive person that he is, raises more questions. No, I agree with him 100%. If it was a military experiment, craft, or whatever... Why wouldn't they know about You it? would think as they would soon, be, they as, would soon as they noticed it was going down or getting a mayday from the pilot or whatever, they would have sent everything there, there right that, then and there. That is a very good point, yes. Because if... I mean, that happens nowadays. One of our own... Crashes. Crashes. We, we know we, in advance. Right, we go for it. That's right. So this would only give more questions, not answers. Mac uh, wanted to know the truth, and it is now becoming more evident that the crash site is an itch that he wanted to scratch but couldn't. He really wanted to figure out what was going on. I mean, again, it's it's curious times. That's it's right. very curious times because the war had just ended, and now all of a sudden this weird thing, thing just crashed, and it's in such a desolate area where there's not very many people around mm-hmm. and no one's coming to look for it that's right so a lot of questions are going to be asked at this time mac became frustrated with the whole situation so far there is now a mile long worth of material 
which were starting to affect his work because the sheep were unable to get water. So just imagine a mile long worth of material, which would eventually become various sites, obviously. Yeah. But that's a long, long, so, long amount of material. That's, yeah, it's, that's a lot that's of huge. Yeah, being uh, being unable to give the sheep water must have pissed him off a little bit. So now he can't do his job. So that's getting in the way. Right. On July sixth, he drives to the closest military base and reports what happens. What's your take on that? Before we go any further. <laughs> so at the time, what's your take on him going to the military? And kind of being like, hey, I, I come think, on, I think what's, clean this shit up. So I think what's going on is he has so many questions not a single person can answer. Not the police, like his, his friend who's a cop. That's right. Um, not anyone around the town. Not any of the, the, the local drinkies. No one, no one has come to claim it either. Claim it to see what's going on. So – your next logical step would be the military. And at those times, it was actually pretty easy to drive up to a base and say, hey, I need to speak to someone. Well, even Betty and Barney Hill, they went to the military too after right. their incident as well too. I right? mean, in order to get answers, at the time, the military was pretty well trusted. Yes. Post, post-World War II, yes, right. you could say that. You could say it was they were trusted. But, we, but would, would you have, if you were in this incident, would you have gone to the military? During the time, yes, yes, I would to get answers. Okay, so to, now, to now, no, no. So if something crashes in your backyard tomorrow, I'm yeah. not saying it's gonna happen, but I'm saying I'm just making an example. If something crashes in your backyard Some, tomorrow. Okay, do you, let, do you let's go see for it? Something crashes in, in the backyard, backyard tomorrow, tomorrow, and yeah. not a soul comes looking for it. What do you do? I'm not telling a goddamn person. You, not, not your. Oh, I'll I was tell gonna you say, yeah, because me and you'd be sitting outside with looking all at, of our gear yeah. doing a podcast right with next it, to it with the alien. Right. Hey, yeah. dude, you Just, okay? <laughs> do you need help? <laughs> you know that. That's yeah. the thing. Like yeah. nowadays, it's. It's almost to silence people. You have that persona of they're just going to kill everyone involved. To, to see the kind of flip, too, from the government at this time to where Mac wants to go for the government to help to now where we yeah. would not go for the government help. There's that kind of disconnect and that kind of flip from they used to be helpful to they ain't going to help you now. No, just now. Now it just you seems can just see like, the change. Now it just seems like they would just like they would take everything and charge you for it. They would charge you for it or they'd kill everybody involved like the, yeah. all of a sudden a nuke drops on this small little town and there's there a fire right <laughs> because they don't want anyone to know no. yeah brazel thought he was doing the right thing but he had no idea what kind of lines then he was walking into which makes sense which makes sense but like i said again during the times yeah the military we had this like we won the war type of thing we can trust our own soldiers to do you the would, right you would thing. Think so. That's what you we would, would think. think. So. Yeah, right. that's right. At this time. At this time. A guy by the name of Charlie Schmid had heard something about weird going on. Charlie lived just north of town. He hops on his motorcycle and drives outwards into the desert. He sneaks his way through fences, sand traps, and cattle between cattle before arriving at the spot. He even states that he picks up pieces with strange uh, pieces of the debris from the crash site with strange writing on it 
when he was holding on to something, he bent this piece and instantly it snaps back into place. So it's like a bendable metal, basically, is what he's saying. It, it bends and then snaps, almost like some sort of... Well, the plasticity of the metal was really bendable, which is just weird. Yeah, it, it would... Uh... It would snap back into place, whatever original shape. Yeah, its original shape, which was mind blowing at the time. We didn't have anything like that around. No, we still if don't. If you go to bend steel, it's, it's going to stay bent. bent. That's right. Charlie has a f- secret first-hand experience. What kind of symbol is on this? What kind of alien language? Or could it simply be a human-created language that Charlie is unable to read? So this guy has like a little mini experience with these things, and he becomes a first-hand witness. Charlie even states that he had witnessed what he had witnessed in the field that night was not a weather balloon. From our research of a weather balloon, there is typically no writing on a weather balloon. No, there is no writing on a weather balloon. There, it's a freaking balloon. <laughs> it's I, a balloon with from the materials. Technically, a little platform underneath it with whatever gadget you're using to track whatever you need to track from what we discussed a weather balloon is made out of on the the first episode do you think there's any materials made within a weather balloon that if you snapped it would snap back into its original position no neither do i no monday july 7th major jesse marcel and captain sheridan arrive at the crash site these two men were part of the raaf Mark uh, Mac Brazel had brat, brought them these two men to this site the night before. So basically, they stayed at the ranch and then came to look at the site. Dawn was upon the horizon as these as these men started to explore the the mile long crash site. Both of these officials spent hours of their day collecting, loading, and examining and containing what they could into two vehicles. So two full vehicles worth of items just are gone with two guys. They kind of swooped in, took what they want, and then left, basically. They didn't know what they were doing, and so they just started grabbing fragments as they could. It would almost seem it would almost be sunset when these guys were officially done. <laughs> That's a long time. That's a long time of just digging materials and be like, okay, we can grab that. Oh, grab that. Yep. Grab this. I mean, grab grab as much as you can. Yep. We can easily assume that Mac asked these guys questions during their uh, the procurement of these pieces. If these government officials did not know what it was they were grabbing, why they take so much? A weather balloon, even broken, could easily fit into a single car. That's my my opinion. I mean, my opinion too. I mean, even seeing pictures of like these giant weather balloons and stuff like that, they fold together. Though. They, they fold. They fold. You down. could probably I get mean, into a trash bag. I've seen these, like, real huge balloons that hold, like, a person-sized basket. Like, almost like a regular show balloon, right? Yeah. Even that, though, you could roll up and put into the basket and put it into a small car or the bed of a pickup. That's correct. You wouldn't have to sit there and fit it all in two cars. No. Testimony and first-hand accounts state that the debris from the crash site was the size of a football field from end to end. So you you watch football. Just imagine the debris is from a football field. Yeah, I know. That's It's kind of insane if you think about it. It's kind of insane. A cleanup military crew was sent in. 
This cleanup crew consisted of 50 or 60 troops. Wow. That's just the cleanup crew. A young kid who was the son of another rancher who had worked nearby named Trini Chavez remembers soldiers being nearby engulfing this place and gathering metal bits. His father had collected some of the bits, but the kid had no idea at the time. Now, would you even tell your family if you grabbed metal bits? No. No? That's a good, I, smart, smart man, I, so they don't know. I wouldn't. I, so there's two reasons. For yeah. one, again, I wouldn't want anyone to know I have them because I wouldn't want them taken away. Yeah. And two, the less my family the know, knows, the better so they're not involved yeah. in the situation. Yeah. Makes sense. Because if they're sitting there being questioned or whatever, and you wouldn't want anything to happen to your family because you stole some stuff. That's right. Once the sun had gone down, the soldiers would use spotlights and continue since there were so many locations. We can assume that they had cleaned one area, then moved on. Fifty or sixty men could have easily worked in larger areas, which would have needed a t- which would have been a tough call. If this young kid states large amounts of metal was found how could a weather balloon create metallic debris see we're just trying to right the military didn't hold back anything they first took over the foster site all then all the sites nearby they took on the full ranch the main house and nearby roads the military in this instance does seem like a fast uh, spreading virus that is consuming all of the foster ranch and any nearby area. Bud Payne, another ranch rancher who lived in the area, had an encounter with the military. One of Bud's steers manages to get free and heads into foster ranch. Bud had just been chasing the steer, and the steer was on the fo- foster ranch property. Once Bud himself steps foot onto the property, Military uh, police jeep swoops him and kicks him off right away. Bud was shaken down and forced off the property. Bud Payne would later become a, a county judge. What happened to his steer? We, we don't know. <laughs> he probably he probably has to leave it. I'd there. be pet. Yeah. So like back in these days, like a, a steer, steer was, was a good pr- amount of money. Right. It's a pricey thing. So. That's right. He probably had to leave the steer. It didn't really say. That's funny that he became a judge. Yeah. Hell, as we know, it was now about to break loose on this small town. The military was now on a clear mission. Retrieve all evidence of this incident, no matter the cost. The military had to suspect every single soul and person in Roswell of having or knowing someone who has something. The military would only miss a piece of material that was left at a nearby gas station. So again, look. Think of this. It goes days without anybody. That's right. Questioning it, anyone uh, like investigating. No scientists. No uh, people from universities. No military. No nothing. It's not until this guy goes to the military base and says, "Hey, this happened," and the military floods. Military goes. They start looking at things, and then all of a sudden. They send almost everybody. That's right. Doesn't that throw a red flag up? It should. It should, right? Yeah. There's that, a lot of red flags that we're going to come across. There's a reason why this is one of the most 
talked about cases cases because there's so much going on too going on with it and there's so many questions and not one person can give us a straight answer nope. the military does the following they force people to talk about what they knew tore up entire properties destroyed bedrooms emptied freezers removed planks to check underneath them and even broke individual glass jars that people were using. The military did not have time for caring. They had a job to do. United States citizens were even threatened into submission by government agents. The military was not going to stop until every debris piece had been found. Troops would spend two full days cleaning up the Foster Ranch debris, or the Roswell debris as we know it. They had collected a large amount of debris. They had so much that the public doesn't even have a clue how much is really there. Some physical evidence had managed to slip through the death grip of the military. Within the 1990s, home and car break-ins were common in Roswell, so it was actually difficult to track down every metallic piece, and many of those pieces not owned or taken by the military were stolen. It is also very possible that as time went on, people may have forgotten that they had had these fragments after all these years, too. I mean, yeah, that's a big... That's the other thing. Like, if you hold on something for so long, you may forget where, why. Right. All of a sudden, you have this uh, paperweight sitting on your desk, that's... and you really don't know where it came from. Yeah, makes sense. Another rancher comes forward with his first-hand account. L.D. Sparks remember getting getting remembers getting a thin foil in the mail he got this medal from dan richards spark states that he had shot at this medal and the bullets just bounced right off he was also found that the metal would fold and float we never know what happened to this proof as dan richards was killed in a vehicle accident slowly slowly uh, shortly after sending this medal in the mail isn't that kind of... Isn't that just a little weird? Yeah, convenient. Convenient. Yeah. It's a lot of convenient things that happen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Car accidents, heart attacks, mm -hmm. some people, suicides. <laughs> some people think that Dan... that uh, Think that Dan what, had something right before he was killed, and he, he sent a mail sample... That he had more than what the sample he sent the sample out for. It does seem a little convenient, huh? That Dan's death occurs this way. Researchers, researchers think that he may have more evidence hidden somewhere on his family's property. Could you just imagine being this guy's family and finding something else? Right. It's that's that's a thing. It is. It's. What do you do with it? I. That's it. It. I, I'm at a loss for words yeah. because it's you you just all of a sudden this car accident happens. Now now as a family, do you sit there and you go, Do we tell anyone? Mm -hmm. Do we not? Because if we tell anyone, are we gonna end up in a car accident? I, I mean it's That's right. When coincidences like this happen People aren't stupid. No. They can put I, I one mean, and one together. They, you can put, it happens all the time. It does. Every time someone knows something secretive, all of a sudden they die for some reason. 
The government continues to lay down their justice on the people of Roswell. The, e the military even tells the locals to never speak a word about anything regarding this incident. Many of the kids who had seen something were pushed to basically be quiet by their parents. The kids who had seen something may have been forced into military silence. So even the kids were forced to not say anything. Yeah. Years later, Sidney Jack Wright claimed that what he had even uh, what he had seen had forced him to grow up. He even states that he had seen small bodies with big heads and big eyes. From the picture he gives, the it gives like a, the classic alien look, uh, like the grays. Jack states that he and Mac would not get away from the sat f the site fast enough. 1998, so this is some years later, Frank Joyce is helping the team who wrote the book, Witness to Roswell, our source. He had just retired from being in radio his entire life. During this his time on radio, he was told by the government to not air the original audio from Mac Brazel. We had talked about that briefly in the first episode. Now we're kind of coming back to that part of the story. Frank is able to give an audio transcript, which they have the, the written version in the book, too, of what Mac Brazel had said in the recording. At first, the dialogue kind of states Mac asking Frank about the crash, like, what do you think it is, that sort of thing. And it's a general questioning between two friends. Frank settles down a little and tells him to call the airbase. Mac starts to complain about a foul odor and then finding bodies. Mac states in the audio that they were not human. You want to go to the next page before we start? Well, what I was going to ask was, uh, yeah. do, do you think there was actual bodies that were from the audio? Found? From the audio transcript, it does sound. Now we have two accounts or multiple accounts of, of bodies being found. Right. I mean, there there was even uh, I think I come across a, a transcript. Uh, God, I can't remember how long ago from like doctors discussing the um, the physical look of these things, their insides, how two died during the crash and one died. I mean, kind of like what they said in uh, well, Independence Day. Where two died during the crash, one lived for a little while and then died from it. We, d we don't know if the other we, one died. Right. You we, just don't we, know. We, did, we just know that there was three things that crashed. Now, the military would also try to cover the story up by saying that they would f drop bodies down. Right. They To see the impact. Because we talked about this on the first episode. So, let's – they have the military part, point of view and then we have what may have actually happened yeah. too. The military must have gotten this information out of Mac during the time he was being deeply interrogated because they interrogated the shit out of this guy for days. The military knew Mac had called Frank. The military also knew Frank was working at the radio station. The military needed to silence as many voices as they could. Frank may have the audio of the interview, but what we have just seen is the written transcripts. So there is audio of Mac Brazel stating what he's finding as he's basically like looking out his window and seeing the bodies and smelling something. I mean, if this, if this was just a simple 
military thing, little military crash, mm-hmm. or even just a weather balloon, right? Where, why, why would they, why why would would they be, they be smell, in, smell? Why would they be smelling? Why would they be interrogating this guy for days on end? You that's, know what I mean? That's a good question. That's a good question. It's it's something's not right. We are now at the midpoint of the show, and so we have a little bit of information to kind of go through. There's been little to no talk of a weather balloon. There's a little, been a little bit, but not to the extent as we did in the first I, episode, right? Because the first episode most, is really just kind of explaining the what the weather it is. balloon talk has been from us, yes, talking about you, weather balloon and what it is and what right. it's made out of too, but not as much in this episode. The episode's key focus seems to be on uh, what things were seen and how the military took full control. Mac Brazel has become frustrated with a large amount of debris. He brings in some friends, but none of them can figure out what it is. Mac even calls his friend at the radio station to kind of see what his opinion would be about this. Frank at the radio station records Mac and what Mac is seeing during that call. The incident occurs, and after the incident occurs, it hap- after it happens, Mac Brazel is inconvenienced by the entire thing. After this, he personally invites all hell to break loose. The government just decides to bring the heat down onto the small ranch, Foster Ranch, in Roswell. The radio station may have been silent, but the message isn't. In the audio file from Mac Brazel, it does state that he did find bodies. Bodies mean plural, more plural, than one. More than one. The government puts... Mac through the ringer in the first episode. Now we have a better idea why. He is clearly stating an alien massacre of some kind on an audio file. He witnessed all of this and goes to the police and to the military. All while he is doing this, other ranchers come in and steal a little something-something for themselves. Every person is hunted down by the government and forced to give up all their little something-somethings or physical evidence uh, from the alien... Uh, crash. Mac Brazel finally gets the military involved, but it comes at a cost. The military blows up everything, sending in the military, police even. The military was going to bury this case, and there was nothing anyone else could do. If it if it is a crash, then why? If it is a crash, then why? Uh, if it isn't a crash, then why would the military go through all these extreme measures? Which it, what? What is the question we've both been asking this whole I mean, episode. could you imagine if no one said anything? That's my point to make, yeah. 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 I mean, if no one if no one said a word. What would we have? What would we have? Yep. Mac wanted to clean up some of this mess, not flip his entire world upside down in the process. He may have even self-questioned himself due, the, due to the government telling him to. So... Basically, the government could have gone into his head a little bit and be like, there was no crash. And towards the end, he was probably like, there was no crash. Right. I mean, you, it, they could have flipped him. They could have easily, if the government comes in and threatens your family, you may flip. I'm well, just saying. When you're being interrogated as long as this guy was and stuff. I you're mean, willing to say anything. You're willing to say anything. Yeah. So the more, it's one of those things where, hey, we're not letting you out until you forget about this. That's right. A second radio station was contacted about the event. KOAT Radio out of Albuquerque was also an ABC affiliate was contacted. Lee Lydia Slippy receives That's her name, Slippy. <laughs> receives a frantic call from John McBoyle. He was the manager and owner of a sister station that resided within Roswell. 
Nick Boyle clearly states a flying saucer had crashed landed near Roswell. He had to make sure to tell her that this wasn't a joke. A call like that would put anyone on the edge. Lydia runs and gets her program director and station manager to get over here. Lydia tells ABC about basically an upcoming story. Lydia is using a teletype and she is typing out what she's hearing on the phone as her manager is a witness to hear it. So there's a couple different things going on. Before any more messages are sent out, a bell rings out on this kind of teletype machine. Dun, dun, dun. Almost instantly, a paper is printed out. The FBI states to steep and stop all current transmissions being sent out by Roswell. They are, showed, they are told basically by the government to keep quiet and to shut up. We can see a pattern with the military and what's going on. The military has now silenced two radio stations and a fair amount of local townspeople. Where does the military draw the line of what is right and what is wrong when it comes to this case? It, there is no line. It, it's one of those. So here's the other thing. I don't blame any of the people that were involved because they're just going by orders. So the higher ups, you're talking generals, maybe even the president is saying, you need to go here and you need to shut everyone up. You need to put a lid on this. Do you think the president knew? He was probably contacted or told or something. I mean, in those, in those days, the president was told almost everything. Everything. So it's one of those where, Hey, Mr. President, this is what's going on. What do we do? And then he tells the generals, and then the generals go down. It just goes downhill. It just goes downhill. So these these military guys that are on scene, yeah, they're going to be assholes and stuff, but it's not really them being assholes. They're just being told, you need to shut everyone up. You need to take as much as you need. And then, of course, now the FBI is involved. So the FBI is also being told by others above them, hey, you need to now get involved because now we need police. Well, they also have the military police, too. So you so, have right. military police, military, and so and there's a lot of different fractions yeah, of the government. So you I, have all these different things coming at all different directions. That's right. So the it's one of the, it's like also a scare tactic. The more threat you put towards, the more people will, like, back down and kind of submit. And here you go. Take everything. We'll be quiet. That makes sense. Lydia would hold this secret for 25 years before she spoke about anything. McBoyle would keep whatever he knew to his deathbed. He finished off the rest of his life as a rancher in Idaho. When he was asked what he did know, he couldn't remember. Mac was now returning to the radio station, this time with a military escort. Mac had redacted his first statement on air. He was now telling Frank Joyce it was a weather balloon that had fallen. Frank kind of puts Mac on the spot a little bit and questions him about his first statement, which, of course, anyone would do. After the second statement, though, Frank knew something was not right about the whole situation. Mac tells Frank off the air that things would be going easy for him if he just went along with what the military was telling him. So now Frank has a better idea of what's really going on. Frank asks him one last question. Were they green? Mac tells him outright, no, they weren't green. Hmm. So it goes from, yeah, it was It was this. So, so two friends on the yeah. air, basically. And one guy's like, it's a weather balloon. 
Wink, 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 nudge, nudge. It's a weather balloon that's fallen. Nudge, nudge. And that's all I can tell you. And it wasn't a grain weather balloon. See? <laughs> like that. It wasn't. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that color. No. Robin Adair, who was a photographer for the Associated Press, gets a call on July 8, 1947. He is told to get his ass to Roswell, New Mexico, as soon as possible. He has been fully briefed on what's going on at Roswell, and at this time, they used a, a plane to fly over the location, but they were unable to secure any aerial photographs of the Roswell crash scene. So now we have the press kind of getting in on it a little bit, which is kind of neat. So it's not just the military, and it's not just the story of Mac Brazel. They moved in as close as they could to get photographs, but they are unable to see any debris uh, in the fields. What makes things a little weird would be the fact that the military was burning the land. They were also able to take a look at the impact site, which was as deep as a crater in the scope of its impact. From what Robin had seen overhead, it was indeed a crash landing of some kind. A weather balloon would cause some impact to the, the, the ground, yes, but not to this large of an extent. Now, especially not deep. Like a crater. And not over such a vast distance. Because, again, let's say even like, let's say a weather balloon loses its momentum uh, ability to float, right? It's going to come down. Directly, straight. It's not very heavy. The base would be. The base would would be be the heaviest heaviest part. part. Not the whole thing. Nope. So you're you're telling me that a weather balloon caused that much damage? It would impact into the ground. Yes, right. we would. We'd have to say that, but not to the not extent, to the extent, extent of what this is. That's this right. whole. I wonder if we could find any pictures of the crash site. crash site. We 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 should look into that. I'll look I'll look it up and I'll post anything on our yeah. Instagram. From the looks of the crash site, the thing hit the ground, trying to back up, kind of get back up and. And reascend, but was forced to descend a second time. This little detail adds more mystery to the story that is Roswell. They flew out of South Roswell to get a clear view of the train and to also keep up with the large military presence that did loom over Roswell on the ground. From the sky, a deer did see two distinct crash sites, one clearly in the open and the other off the beaten path. The plane lands at an old airstrip west of Roswell. Once they land, Adair meets up with a fellow journalist. The two men, up, men set up shop at the offices of the Roswell Daily Record. Adair and the fellow, reported, pre, uh, fellow reporter, Jason Kalian, devise a plan that they want to go interview Mac Brazel. So now the press has kind of gotten wind of it and they want to kind of move forward and ask everyone involved what's I mean, going it's, on. It's too bad that the press is late to the game. Though. Late. Yeah. Because could you imagine if they were there first, if they were there before the military was, we'd have a different story, right? Because they would be able to get so many pictures and probably put those pictures out before the government could even take them away. At this point, Mac is retracing his, retracting his first story and stating that it is indeed a weather balloon. Mac had stated that it was a crash site, but 
he wasn't saying that it was a weather balloon fully. The government had forced him to clear up his first statement, which does mean that his his statement is 100% true. So they basically have him backtrack every time he goes to the news, and that kind of gets kind of boring. But it also it shows... It, it takes also, away the credibility makes, of this guy. Exactly. Too. It takes away their credibility. So now the press is like, who is this guy? Should yeah. we even really be interviewing yeah. him? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. The team was able to meet Mac and kind of get his take on it. The two Associated Press reporters are able are put on the local news. They managed to take a photo of Mac with his hat on, which the image is available in the book, too. Maybe we could find that, too. And that would yeah. be the first image of the Roswell story to come out. Mac even states that over time working on the ranch he had seen several uh, he had seen many weather balloons and you would think this this was uncommon for the area but it did happen from time to time Mac has to clearly tell these two journaler two journalists it was a weather balloon and it only maintained a single crash site officially that's what he had told them. But Mac did tell them unofficially that the crash site was no weather balloon, and he knew that for a fact. Yeah, pretty much like, hey. Off uh, the books, off, on the books. Off the books, let's uh, yeah. let's really talk about this. That's right. After the interview, the military swoops in and pulls Mac out of the situation. The, milita- the military basically did not want him talking. Not to the press, not to anyone he knew. They wanted him to be silent until this all blew over. The two journalists did get some information before their key witness was taken by force. Just some, though. The two journalists were not only the ones hot on this case. Alan Grant, who was a photographer, was also on this case. He would later in life become a world-renowned photographer. He is even able to known to take uh, shots of Marilyn Monroe before her death. Ooh. The first atomic bomb test. He did. He took. Yeah, and photos of Lee Harvey Oswald's wife hours after the historical moment. I love this guy. We should look at his photos. Wow. He even took photos of Howard Hughes' spruce goose. You know what that is? Uh huh. Yeah. As it took flight for the first time. Wow. Mating it. Uh, so this plane was a plane made out of wood. So he clearly would say that Grant had a key eye for taking photos of historical events while history is taking place. So this would have been so good if he was able to get there before the military. Could you imagine the pictures? Yep. Oh, yep. wow. 1947, Grant was just a young photographer working for Life. So he's already working for Life magazine. He had just moved to L.A. to New York. This move was prompted to get closer to the Hollywood scene, which makes sense because in the 40s and 50s it was a scene. From the website that keeps track of all of Grant's work, he was sent to New Mexico because his editor had wanted him to go on a meteor expedition. Allen was told that a meteor had crashed into Roswell, New Mexico, and that the military was on the hunt for information about this meteorite. Grant was given a pilot who would meet him in Albuquerque and would land him close to the crash site. So he has to go from L.A., to New Mexico and then meet up with the pilot basically in New Mexico to get to Roswell. Yeah. 
and now he has to find his pilot. So this does seem like a bit of a haul for photos. The pilot and Grant head to Roswell, which roughly takes 40 minutes to land, and they turned an empty field into a landing strip. The pilot hands Grant a loaded gun and tells him to take it, just in case. Grant takes the gun, questioning why he would need it to take photos of a meteorite, but he takes it and does what he's told. These men would get into a jeep and drive towards their goal. From there, the details from the Life magazine and these two men seem... They they meet some military personnel and they tell them that the site spot is a way to kind of... They tell them one spot, but it's really in a different spot. So they take... The military takes them to the wrong location. There would be no further further stories of Roswell because they never got the photos and the national story was capped under wraps due to the government. So Dang Grant government. So Grant was sent out there for no reason, basically. Wouldn't that just suck? Like, he's told there's something going on, but he's told by the military, hey, here's the site. You have to take photos of this site. That's it. Nothing else. Don't speak of it. Okay, let's go. And the other thing is the, that the amount of steps he had to take just to get to nowhere. Yeah. But the amount of historical moments that he would take throughout his life, though. Right. One more would have been fucking... Oh. Uh, uh. Something tells me that Grant's protector knew a little bit more than he had let on. One key example for that would be the gun. Grant never mentions a gun or of its use, but he did believe strongly that it was not a meteor. Grant would tell his wife that the meteor was kind of a cover-up for the U- for a UFO crash. Whatever happened that night could have even given Grant the idea that alien life may have crashed into Roswell. We don't have all the details of that night, but we have some aspects from Grant and the pilot. As we come to a close of part two of Roswell, we are still finding out new things about this case. The military presence begins with Mac Brazel and continues on. Think about this for a moment. What if he doesn't go to the military, but goes to the news first, like we talked about? What would the outcome be now? And would Life magazine be shaking hands with a gray being if they had made it there first? Could you imagine just the cover of the Life magazine for that year? Everyone would poop themselves. They would, I they would, would. They would just shard so hard. That would be the most looked after. Yep. At, yep. Like magazine. Uh, th- I'd have it in a case that's hanging right. on my wall. 1947. Within the, the 1947, the media would have had a freaking field day. Word of this crash would have spread like wildfire. Sadly, the rela- the reality is that the military silenced the local news and Life magazine. We know that two men went out into the night with guns and cameras loaded. After that, we have we know some details, but not enough to fill in what happened. The will of the locals to explore something unknown to them is amazing. From what we know so far, the, is that the that Roswell could uh, would change the lives of anyone that knew or saw something from the site. Some would change their perspectives over time, while others would have a harder time dealing with it. From various testimonies, there were three beings at the site, and one of them seemed to be alive still. The military is now in on full operations within this crash site. 
and it is now top for priority. At first, a large crew of soldiers slowly go in, and then it escalates to the point where there's no not no one who isn't non-military allowed at Foster Ranch or the Roswell crash site. Besides make besides making various spots on the base, they also burn the area. So they go in, pick up everything they can, then they start burning it. Would the military be burning alien remains? or unknown bacteria, or would they be burning parts of the ship? But if they were burning parts of the ship, wouldn't they realize that the parts couldn't burn because the meta- the metallic materials were tested by some of the locals already? I think it was like some sort of sanitation burn. Which like, makes a little sense. It's one of bacteria. Those bacteria. They, they don't know what's on any of the material. So that's what I was talking about like at the beginning where – like I would take as much as I could, but I'd always have that mindset of, oh man, am I gonna like contract anything from this material that I'm going to infect yeah. the world with? Yeah, makes sense. This story is also a testament to word spreading in a small ranch town fast. Mac tells a few people; they tell a few people. Soon, the entire town has grabbed something from the crash site. This. This would create a large portion of witnesses with physical evidence. Even if the military took these mili- uh, these pieces away, they can't take the memories of what happened or what these people had. So how many people took some debris home and showed their entire family? One small event like Mac speaking could cause these chains of events to occur. This results in threats to these citizens over the material that fell from the sky. The military forces their hand, and within this process, they lose out the trust of Roswell. So they lose the trust of the people, but they are able to take back their military pieces. It is possible that not every piece of the Roswell crash was found. Maybe someone who lived in Roswell was a bit cleverer than our military. Wouldn't that be crazy? Some distant relatives finding something that's still related to the Roswell crash site. I was just going to say that. Could you imagine just like years and years and years go, go by? by? Like it's now our lifetime. It's now 2021, right? No. And all of a sudden someone's cleaning out a closet somewhere from their great grandmother, great grandfather or something, something. And it's like, what is this? And why is it hidden like this? We also have to mention the fact that Mac Brazel is recorded on an audio file stating that there was a vile smell and that there was more than one being. His reaction in the transcript does seem to be honest and genuine. This would also explain how the government killed the idea of releasing the audio file. Again, now we have a recording of the first witness stating that he is cl- what he's clearly seeing. Besides all of the other witnesses, physical evidence, how much more evidence do we need to come for before the military actually says something? Does a living alien being from that crash site need to go on CNN to confirm some shit from Roswell? The military will still only accept the term weather balloon as their go-to from that crash from the Roswell crash site. From what we have heard on this episode, it does not clearly state that a uh, weather balloon created a meteor-sized hole. <laughs> Can you imagine going on CNN? It's a gray alien, and he's, hey. and he's filing a grievance. Yeah. He's, like, suing the United States because 
they took my stuff. That's right. Uh, I want it back. He's like, hey, uh, that was my car. He's wearing like a Bud Light hat. Yeah. He, he's like, he's <laughs> and got a flannel shirt. He's got like uh, wheat in his mouth. Hey, uh, you all like took my car. Can I get it back now? He, I've been here since four to seven. <laughs> right. I've been going to the DMV and they just say come back. And I do. But and I, I, do. I, I don't get it. So in this episode, we dug into Roswell to get a better understanding of these events and how these various stories connect to the crash site in Roswell. We now have key facts that include the cra- how the crash site happened, something died, something lived, and our key witnesses spread the world. Roswell be- may be known for the crash site, but what it should be known for for a period of time was our military effect- basically having, you know, their full control over the ranchers of this area. They would even keep people from talking about this incident. They force Mac Brazel to redact every word. They must have gotten to him through his family. I'm sure that once threats were made, he has no choice but to fold under the pressure given to him by the government. And that's all we have for Roswell, part two. Yay, part two. Part two, that's a lot for part two. Yeah. And there will be a part three. There will be a part three. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, please email us at CaptivatedMinds2 at gmail.com. Our Instagram is at MindsCaptivated, and our Facebook group is Captivated Minds. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please like and subscribe and leave us a five-star review or leave us any review. Any, love, yeah. Anyone. Yeah. We'd love to see how we're doing, and if you like us or not, let us know. And if you Don't love, love, love aliens, let us know. Yeah, we love aliens too. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you.